0: No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. To whom it may concern, we are survivors of Oceanic Flight 815. We have survived on this island for 80 days. we were six hours into the flight, and the pilot said we were off course and turned back towards Fiji. We had turbulence and crashed. We've been waiting here all this time waiting for rescue that has not come we do not know where we are we only know you have not found us we've done our best to live on this island some of us have come to accept we may never leave it not all of us have survived since the crash but there is new life too and with it there is hope we are alive. Please don't give up on us. It's, uh... It's perfect life. Season 3 is over, but we have to go back for some unfinished business here on Down the Hatch. It's the Season 3 Feedback Special Baby. I'm Josh Wiggler. I'm joined here by Mike Bloom. Mike, how you doing?
1: I am just in awe. We're here.
0: All right, so we've got a lot to do here as we are wrapping up Season 3, and of course... We're going to be moving into the, the second book of Lost, right? Mm -hmm. We're gonna, we're gonna be hitting season four here relatively soon, but I, I stress relatively soon. I want to make sure (laughs) that this is just very explicit. We're going on strike. Of the podcast, yes, to emulate the writer's <laughs> strike that occurred during season four. No, we'll talk about the conditions of season four as we get deeper into this podcast. Um, but something that happened between seasons three and four were these webisodes, right? The missing pieces, lost missing pieces. Uh, and they uh, are a bunch of snapshots of things that happened in the continuity of the show that never made it. Into the show, filmed between the seasons, filmed during, uh, you know, prep for season four and everything like that. Uh, so it's like uh, scenes including um, Michael Dawson, mm-hmm. Harold Perrineau, who we have not seen on the show in a very long time, unless you count all of the lush foliage on <laughs> the island, which, of course, we do. Yeah, so he's taking
1: corporeal uh, form for the first time since season yes, two. Yes,
0: he's back in his Harold Perrineau natural state. Uh, so we'll be seeing him. We'll be checking in with Vincent the dog. We're going to meet Frogert. Arst is back. There's these Missing Pieces, 13 webisodes in total, and Mike and I are going to talk about each and every one of them over the course of two podcasts. So the next two podcasts following this one are going to be Missing Pieces Part 1 and Missing Pieces part two before we launch into season four and this is both for completionists sake we were wondering when should we get to this stuff because this is all canon mm-hmm. this all counts all of yeah. this is I real mean, the, all of it happened the
1: episodes are written let me just read through here there's a there's Carlton Cuse kids is Horowitz Damon Lindelof Elizabeth the Sarnoff like the, you these know are this actual, is this is not some sort of like fanfic this is written by the real McCoys. it's
0: a lost product right it's, a, it's like very genuinely part of the show uh, it's a, it's extra material a lot of it is fun a lot of it is goofy, a lot of it's ridiculous, some of it's revealing, some of it's misleading. And each of,
1: one of them is, what, like, I would say three to maybe seven minutes in length
0: total? I think that it, it varies. I think that there are some that are very short- Uh, someone sent us a link and we'll make sure to include this in the show notes um, that gathered all of the missing pieces together and I think it's about a half hour all told. So that being said,
1: you know that Josh and I are going to spin that straw into gold and make it into
0: three hour (laughs) podcasts over the next two weeks. Well, the hope is that that's not the case, (laughs) but you never know with Mike and I when we get on the line together just how long one of these is going to go. We're not guaranteeing time limits one way or the other. I'll tell you that part of the design for me is not just like, let's get into this stuff because this is the time to get into that stuff, but also like I think it would be wise for both you and me, Mike. Let's, let's catch our breath a little bit. We're at the end of the first era of Lost. We are about to go into the second half of the show. We're in the, in the, in the future now. We've got the flash forwards on the table. Rescue is imminent. Mm -hmm. It's a really big momentum change for the show. The entire tone of the show has taken a really important shift. Um, let us catch our breaths. Let's take a minute. We'll we'll still be delivering weekly podcasts over the next couple of weeks. They will be fun. Hopefully, they will be light. Sometimes they will be serious. I'm sure, much like down the hatch as it is uh, as it has been recorded thus far. Uh, but. Maybe if they're shorter podcasts, I'm not that mad at it. You know, we've got a lot going on in January, Mike. Here on post show recap.
1: Jokes on you, Josh. I can hold my breath for four minutes, so I'm. Good. Oh
0: no, no oh, God, uh, a nightmare, a nightmare. Uh, but yeah, there's a lot going on in the podcast right now. Just for people who only listen to Down the Hatch, but don't maybe know everything else that's happening in the post show Recaps so much arena.
1: Going on,
0: there's so much. I, I wanna, hi- I wanna hype it all up. If if uh, if you'll if you'll no, allow no, me, let's, yeah,
1: listen. Like this is our network. Let's take the time. Like this is a time for us to marinate over the next few weeks let's let's start it by hyping up all the fantastic stuff going on on the network right now
0: I'm really excited about everything that we've got going on. So, uh, let, let's get into it. So, so, uh, so Jessica Leese and Rob Sister they've been podcasting about the stand. Uh, against my better judgment, they went ahead and did it. And I think that they were right and I was wrong. And it seems like the podcast is a really fun time, even if the show can be a little bit hit or miss for certain people, but they are talking about the stand every single week. Mike, I know that you and Jess are getting very close to the end of the line here on Star Trek Disco yeah. Season three. So to
1: the point where the finale at the time you are listening to this the finale is already out there uh so jessica least and i will be getting together this weekend to wrap up star trek discovery season three in which there are very indeterminate dates when the rest of star trek will come back but we might prognosticate a bit but yeah i mean we are right there at the tippy tip of that iceberg that is star trek discovery season three
0: All right. So that's your Sunday shows. Uh, The Stand is still going to be coming out on Sundays for the foreseeable future as season one wraps. But Disco is wrapping. It's run here pretty soon. And that podcast always drops on Sundays. Mike, uh, do you want to just let people know that there's there's going to be a Mike Bloom joint that's going to be hitting that Sunday spot once Disco goes? Yeah, you know what? Listen, let's do it. this is a time I mean, we've
1: been talking a lot about this over the past couple months and I've let the secret out to a few
0: parties, but let's just let's just let, let the cat out of the bag. I'm feeling, you know, it's not Christmas anymore, <laughs> uh, but it is a new year and I'm, I'm really hyped for what you've I'm, I'm having listened to the first episode uh, early. I'm even more hyped for yeah, what you've Josh, had Josh planned than even when you told me about it. Uh,
1: Yes, at, at that level. He's able to listen to podcasts that aren't even out yet. So here's the thing. There's a little show that exists uh, that Lost, the show that we're talking about today, was very much inspired by, by the name of The X-Files. It was a series created by Chris Carter, ran through the 90s into the early 2000s, a smidge in the 2010s, but maybe we don't talk about that. Supernatural, freaky-deaky, procedural-slash-serialized television show, Angela Bloom, My Lovely Wife, Partner in Crime... It's one of her favorite shows of all time, to the point where she has uh, pirated DVDs that she has owned for decades at this point that she has worn so many holes into watching over and over again. I have never seen an ounce of The X-Files, and this has been uh, a rift in our years-long relationship. She loves The X-Files. I've never seen it. I was too scared by it initially, We are bridging that gap, coming your way starting on January 24th, folks, and airing on Sundays thereafter, The Bloom Files, and X-Files rewatch slash first watch podcast. It essentially is, we have shamelessly copped the community building model that you and Jess Sterling had used uh, during the latter half of 2020, where basically we're not going to go through all 200 plus episodes, but... Angela is essentially giving me a tasting menu of 25 weeks of X-Files episodes. Sometimes we'll watch one episode, sometimes two, sometimes three. Sometimes we might throw a movie in there, but essentially it's going to be us talking through the episodes, me, having never seen it before and having no idea what to expect and her trying to be my Sherpa here, uh, the, I'm the boon to her lock as she tries to guide me through the woods. And hopefully it is not. You're the,
0: you're the Scully to her molder because she's seasoned in these, uh, these streets and Scully is just figuring it out at the start of the season. So
1: I think Scully has much more directly applicable experience, even to the X-Files than I I do here. Mike,
0: that that is literally the only thing that you have in common with Dana Scully. How dare you, Josh? (laughs) I have a luscious
1: mane of red hair. Thank you very much. That's, that's <laughs> 2021 is my redhead year, but yeah. so Angela and I've already recorded a couple of episodes. Those are going to come out on Sunday. They have been very very fun she and I have never really worked on a long-term project like this before and it's already been a very great time getting to experience the show alongside her and then talk through these episodes so I hope you're gonna join us we're gonna be as vague with future spoilers as possible so that if you are in my boat or if you're in her boat whether you are completely new to the show as well or not you are in's boat or, yeah or exactly or if you are very experienced you can still enjoy the show without needing to be worried about being spoiled on future episodes that we may or may not come across but yeah, that's that's the big new project coming into your earbuds, hopefully starting in January. And I could not be more pumped about it. Uh, Josh has sent some very kind words along. To the I loved podcast. It. I and loved I the- hope, you know, we get some more kind words as well when the thing finally drops in a couple weeks
0: yeah you sent me the pilot that you and angelo recorded and i really really enjoyed it even more than i thought that i would as somebody who has like uh low to mid-tier x files knowledge i would i would scale it closer to low uh there were so many fun things that i that i heard you learning for the first time That i think people who are longtime x files fans are going to love it and then i think people who wanted want to explore the show the way that mike is exploring the show i think you're gonna dig it too it is coming out coming out january 24th 2021 and mike and Angela are already in the trenches of recording that podcast of course mike you and angela are joining myself and the great emily fox Mm -hmm. every week this month in january talking about lord of the rings we are doing a full deep dive into middle earth on the post show recaps patreon side of things for post show recaps theater which is a weekly patron only podcast we're talking lord of the rings we released a little bit of a preview and by a little bit i mean a three hour (laughs) preview you you can never
1: go a little bit with lord of the
0: rings right like they exist in magnanimity Yes. And so we we released the first two episodes in the main feed. Hopefully that was enticing. Hopefully you want to check it out if you are not a member of the Patreon already. Could be good incentive to sign up. Patreon.com slash post show recaps. And speaking of the Patreon, a Patreon only podcast is crossing the line. Going mainstream. Uh, the, the Picket <laughs> Line, the Danny Picket Line. <laughs> Mike, uh, a, a podcast that has been up to this point. Only a patron show is going to be making the leap to the main feed starting very soon here. Community building. It is happening. It's real. Uh, It's happening. It's
1: crossing the Danny Pickett line. Consider me shocked. (laughs)
0: <laughs> you are shocked. Uh, we had a, an announcement of the continuation of Community Building, which is a podcast where Jess Sterling and I have watched Community, where she is the expert. I am the novice. I am new to this world. Hey, that sounds we familiar. Did it so- <laughs> we did it in sort of this this strange tasting menu style that Mike alludes to as far as what's going on with the Bloom files. Uh, but the, the continuation of Community Building is going to be a full scale rewatch for Jess. First watch for me with special guests debuting at the start of February. All month long we are getting out our, uh, our, our weirdness, our silliness. We are, we're, we're dumping all of our absolute strange takes uh, and shenanigans in the final few episodes of the podcast that are going to be patron only, although there will always be a patron only quality to community building, including exclusive podcasts and live events and stuff like that. But I'm really excited that community building is going to be continuing. And this month we're gearing up for that uh for that next stage of the podcast. And to, so and to
1: clarify, you're are you you're starting over from the beginning, right? Because yes. the tasting menu essentially had you yes. going through, you know, a smattering yes. of episodes. You are yes. you're doing the full episodic rewatch.
0: Yes, absolutely. We are doing the full episodic rewatch beginning in February and we are closing out the experimental phase of community building this month. Throughout January in the patreon, so that is a, a very important thing that we are doing uh-huh. that is going to require some effort we 're really pumped about it again, another reason to consider becoming a patron patreon dot com slash post show recap to support the community building effort. And then of course, if you don't have uh, the ability to sign up or not the interest or whatever, you're still going to get community building starting next month. So really looking forward to that. Beyond that, everything is super is starting what I think is going to be like a bit of a marathon back into the Marvel cinematic universe. Wandavision, Mike is showing up on Disney plus this coming week. And it is going to be the kickoff for, I think, weekly MC, if not quite weekly, then almost weekly MCU content throughout all of 2021. Yeah, between uh, between TV
1: shows and movies, mm-hmm. I'm so excited for WandaVision, because I'm so excited for the MCU to get weird. I think it's the most on-brand thing for me to say, that I love when things get weird, and WandaVision, looks like it's gonna get weird. It looks like we're gonna have several movies being set up that get weird as well, so this is going to be the cow that kicks over the lantern that's gonna start this, this fire ablaze, and I cannot wait to to see what it happens in at the time this is coming out only a week's time
0: Yeah. So we're really pumped about that. If you haven't listened to everything is super yet, uh, and you've seen that podcast, like dropping in the main feed, I would, I would recommend it if you're a Marvel fan. Uh, Kevin Mahadeo and I have not only talked about, uh, Spider-Man and Wonder Woman and stuff like that, but we've done the full MCU rewatch as it currently stands. So it's a really great roadmap towards where we are going next with all of these various shows and movies coming out. Uh, so it is a, it is a really, uh, crazy time. As far as that goes, and because I'm an insane person, Mike... (laughs) beyond everything is super, we've also just launched new weekly Star Wars coverage. If not quite weekly, regular Star Wars coverage is the word that I will use because we have plans for the entirety of 2021 (laughs) to provide you with very regular Star Wars coverage, including ridiculous recaps of the movies with myself and Rob Sesternino to some more serious deep dives with friends like Latanya Starks and Kevin Mahadeo. Mike, I'm sure you're going to get involved at certain Mm -hmm. points along the Right, It's me going a long time. Uh, it's literally called a long time to go in that galaxy far, far away. And speaking of ridiculous, uh, I believe you are
1: starting from episode one proper as well. We you're, are you're doing, going in are doing n- it numerical in chronological
0: order, order Mike, uh, in terms of the universe. So we are, January is going to be the Phantom Menace month. Uh, we've already dropped that first opening podcast. Well, I'm sure and then,
1: Josh are, people are looking at their podcast feed right now, looking at all the content you're putting out and just asking you, are you an angel?
0: <laughs> an angel oh my god jake lloyd so we're getting to phantom menace starting next week it's going to be me and rob uh so if you're not already subscribed to our star wars feed it's the same as the mandalorian one i recommend signing up i think it's going to be a very silly fun goofy podcast that also is going to have room for all of, like the smart takes on star wars and uh we've got a, we've got a, a, a lot of plans for it, and I'm, I'm really really hyped up about and it. and also
1: speaking of another property that's putting out a bajillion things in 2021 as well I guess And, you know, even if you are not entirely into relitigating the movies, which you need to be, because whether or not these movies are fantastically fun or maybe just fantastically bad, uh, there's still a lot of fun to break down. But there is so much Star Wars content that's going to be coming out in this year as well, in addition to the MCU content like Disney Plus has us working out right now. And Post Show Recaps is going into a full out sprint for the entire year, not to mention all the other new shows that might be coming out in 2021 as well that have been announced but don't necessarily have a date as well. I'm sure we're going to accommodate our schedules for that as well. But we are starting the year off. Cooking with gas. Yeah, We've m- got plans. Yeah, much We've like got- in the beginning of Lost Book 2, right? We, we are beginning things on just like a big, immediate, hurried pace, but a very excitable pace at that.
0: Yeah, I mean, this isn't even accounting for the return of The Walking Dead mm-hmm. coming up next month. Uh, there's going to be, you know, hopefully Better Call Saul will be back. If not, it'll be back early 2022. But all all of the, the crazy stuff, whenever Star Trek picks back up yep. again, I'm sure you and Jess are going to be yeah, back all f- all, all three that.
1: possibly going
0: on four or
1: maybe five series that
0: are coming in the next two years. You know, so there's just, there's a lot going on. And this is a very long way of saying... Forgive us if the Lost podcasts over the next two weeks are just a little bit shorter. So that we can like spend some energy beefing out all of that stuff that we are really, really, really super amazingly pumped about. Mm. Uh, it's, it's a, a lot of fun. It's a lot of work. So we are going to be putting in that work. We are already putting in that work. And I think that this is a really good time for our mental health, Mike, to be taking the time to like stop down, breathe a little bit, enjoy the flowers of the missing pieces. And another reason why I think this is fun to just like fully get us back onto lost. Right now, Mike is enclosing the book. On the first half of Lost, on ending season three, we've gone through the looking glass and we are in this era of momentum, this era of danger. People are going to die. Uh, we are going to lose the vast majority of 815 and yeah, mostly talking gawkers, but we're going to lose basically all of the gawkers here pretty soon. And uh, starting with this cannonball that Hurley is going to do into the middle of the ocean mm-hmm. in the beginning of the end, the season four finale, uh, season four premiere rather, we're really not going Going to have much in the way of like uh beachfront joviality Yeah, i mean we are, uh, we are, we are on, far lost. from the days of camping Uh, You know, those those days are 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 wrapping up. And I think missing pieces is actually going to be an opportunity for us to to maybe like process that loss, mourn that loss to a certain degree. I think that we will be able to match that tone. Yeah, We're able to live in the
1: transition a little bit. Right. To sort of really memorialize that and say, like, sort of be, uh, you know, son at the end of season five when we're sort of like going back through the A15 campaign. Like, oh, yeah, I remember when we were here oh, that was a much more innocent time. Uh, You know, the the second half has a... I wouldn't say a different focus, but I think you know, it, it's looking at different things. It's setting up, I think, very different things than the first three seasons do, which were arguably more of a simpler time by comparison. So, yeah, I think it makes sense that we're going to focus on things like Jin has a temper tantrum on the golf course or, you know, uh, stuff that happens right before the pilot or right before the opening scene in a tale of two cities. You know, these are, these are little smidgens, little sp- sprinklings of seasonings that we can throw in there. And it sort of is like our last gasp to use the breath analogy again, of us oh. to, to really, you know, <laughs> uh, think about these first three seasons, how incredible they were, and how they're both going to inform and maybe simultaneously contrast with how the latter three seasons are gonna be.
0: Yeah, so that's that's a lot going on right now on Post Show Recaps. And it's a lot going on in the Lost World, too. And we want to make sure that we're in a position to do it all justice. Yeah, and, I and, think and maybe what we'll do as really well important. is,
1: like, we'll take some moments. We'll do, like, a little section at the end of these two podcasts. If there's, like, a piece of Lost paraphernalia that was out during this time as well, maybe we'll take some time to talk it's about
0: that. It's a good that. time to to do that, yeah. So if anyone's got suggestions for us, mostly feedback. Like, if you're asking us to play Via Domus, <laughs> no. the video game, I got news for ya. ain't happening happening.
1: but like that we would very much watership down that but maybe like maybe i'll watch like a playthrough of it and talk about it on a podcast you know yeah or if there's something like
0: mike that's your homework if you don't mind No,
1: i'll I'll, I'll assign myself that homework i'll be that that good egg but if there's things like you know uh lost the official magazine for example you know all the stuff specifically that was that was during this era of the first three seasons that we have not necessarily talked about in terms of marketing i mean lost What's prolific in so many ways. One of them was really the tie-ins of these other pieces of material into this the canon proper. I know that you did that podcast, Josh, before we even started season three about the ARG and about how that really incorporated right. real life elements and mysteries into it. We would love to explore more of that, and this is sort of the the time to put all of our odds and ends here, the real potpourri of a of a fortnight before we get into season four proper.
0: Hundred percent. All right. Well, let's get into wrapping up season. Three very quickly before we do a quick word from our sponsors over at Geico. Do you own or rent your own home? Well, sure you do, and I bet it can be hard work. You know what's easy? Bundling policies with Geico. Geico makes it easy to bundle your homeowner's or renter's insurance along with your auto policy. It's a good thing, too, because you already have so much to do around your home. Go to Geico.com, get a quote, and see how much you could save. It's Geico easy. Visit Geico.com today. That's Geico.com. I'm so so sad that Geico easy has not become like a part of the vernacular. Michael. Michael Bloom. Oh my God, can you believe it uh, we are we are going back one last time to talk about season three and I think the appropriate place to begin is of course the end and I want to give a shout out to the great Ben behind the curtain. Mm-hmm currently on uh, some uh, some much needed uh, uh a much needed holiday yes, for I, the I, great I ben, ben from, Martell. i think uh,
1: the internet at large yes
0: yes unplugged uh, is the way to be so jealous of ben thankful for ben all of the feedback here uh it's all thanks to ben uh compiling that stuff alongside the great brendan fitzpatrick uh without whom both of whom uh this podcast simply does not exist so i want to give them both a shout Absolutely. out. But Mike, uh, Ben compiled some really compelling stuff for us. Uh, some like anecdotal history footnotes about season three and the season three finale in particular that we didn't get into last week. Last week, we talked about the rattlesnake in the mailbox, mm-hmm. which is uh, what, what Damon Lindelof and Carlton Cuse uh, described. Uh, that was the code word they used for the we have to go back of it on. In an interview with Jeff Jensen over at EW before the episode came out, uh This is this is what Lindelof said. Uh, one day, Carlton was looking at his mailbox and thinking this. Wow, no one would expect this. A rattlesnake in their mailbox. He shared this in the writer's room one day and every writer turned to him and said, what kind of sick thought is that? Of course, no one would think of a rattlesnake being in their mailbox because only an extremely sick, deranged individual would put one in there. And it was that which made us think, actually, A rattlesnake in the mailbox is the perfect name for what we're doing in our finale because only an extremely deranged individual would think of doing what we're doing. And of course, Lindelof is referring to the fact that it's not a Jack Shepard flashback in the finale, but indeed a Jack Shepard flash forward that is revealing that our uh, our heroes or at least some of them are going to get off the island and it ain't going to be. Good. Uh, And it is the twist to end all twists. It shocked absolutely everybody, Mike, except maybe not... Everybody, uh, because listen, the season uh, three finale's outcome. Yeah, listen, it was, it was out there. We're
1: about to get into it. Uh, the binging the X Files has made me a, a bigger fan of UFOs than I was before. But maybe there's one UFO that I can make an exception for.
0: No, Dark UFO uh, is a, an essential part of Lost lore. Uh, a, a fan site dedicated to all things Lost. Often uh, spoilers on Dark UFO. It had Lost had a, a really prolific, intense, yeah. extensive spoiler. Like, like incredibly,
1: so we cannot understate it that yes. essentially, like it was everything from speculation of like piecing together, you know, casting calls and script notes and everything to like people flat out, you know, staking out the set or like you know making hearsay or maybe pirating certain things to find out details ahead of time, including this whole finale.
0: Yeah, so the, so the finale, uh, it was spoiled. Uh, this was really, uh, intense and, and while there had been a lot of stuff like set photos and, and things like that that you mentioned, um, there, there was like, you know, is this too far? Uh, should we not be spoiling something as intense as we have to go back? Uh, and after this, uh, I think spoilers were released very, very, very carefully, um, uh, you know, cause this, to be ruined uh, would, would be horrible. Uh, V.J. Rubenstein writes in to us and says, One of my three biggest regrets in life was being spoiled on the season three finale. Uh, I had accident- accidentally stumbled across the leaked script for the episode a few days earlier. and My mind was blown when I read the script, but it took a huge bite out of the fun of watching the We Have to Go Back reveal on screen. And Mike, I know a bunch of people had had uh, contacted us over uh, over the course of the past few weeks, uh, being like, yeah, I knew this one going in, and it was crazy. Uh, uh, and it, it it's tough. Like, yeah. th- I, I do think that the episode still plays beautifully knowing everything. Um, but that first trick is just it, it was it's just a, a thing to really behold.
1: Yeah, I, I do feel terrible, especially for people who were not seeking out the information. Right. Is like I it, I feel wor- I don't feel as bad for people that are like, OK, I want to expose myself to this uh, because, you know, maybe I, I want to be in the know ahead of time or, or maybe I just want to be that spoil sport. But I do feel bad for those that like stumbled upon it, uh, and this is not like, oh, I was on my timeline, and I wasn't watching the show live, and I, I saw it accidentally. No, this this really does seem to be like, as VJ is talking about, like, oh, I just found an, uh, a leaked script uh, that was being posted around the forums and was accidentally spoiled on it. Like you said, I think even watching it back, which is what makes it an incredible twist, is that there's so much brilliant stuff that can be mined out of the episode, even when you know the outcome, but there is nothing. Nothing will be as, like, singularly a memorable experience in my opinion there's very few and far between that are right up there with finding out that we have to go back just because it was the rug pull in my opinion to end all rug pulls and I think it really also brought such suspicion going into the season 4 and 5 finales in particular because let's remember like season 1 finale yes does have the whole like we're gonna have to take the boy moment but otherwise outside of that the lost season finale wasn't necessarily about surprises it wasn't really about gotchas And the next two season finales are both going to have huge reveals in that next season is we're going to find out who's in the coffin. Season five finale, we're going to find out that Locke has been dead the entire time and that the man in black is part of his body. And and so I do think that this was a seminal moment in the show for many reasons. And one of them is that I think you look at those next two season finales with sort of a wary eye, right? And I also do wonder if they were written with that regard as well of like, okay, well, now... We can't put that toothpaste the toothpaste cap back onto the tube. Yeah. You know, we we have already prepared the fact that we end our finales on a huge cataclysmic notes and while it's tough to say that any of those moments hit that peak, I do wonder how much they inform like okay, we got to have something big to close out, you know, the season 4 and 5 finales. But I think
0: we're I think we're already there. You know, I I think season one i mean we talked about best finales and stuff in season two being the weakest of the finales but i think like important stuff happened at the end of of all of them whether it was like yeah, we don't know what's in the hatch, but we know we're going down the hatch right. at the end of season one. Or, yeah, we're not rescued yet, but we know somebody's looking for, for everybody. Also, some main characters have been kidnapped. That's not a nothing deal. But I I definitely think, um, to your point, we are escalating the stakes considerably, mm-hmm. starting here with season three of, like, Rescue seems imminent, and also it happens and it's bad. And now we know that, and also the structure of the show has changed dramatically. Uh beyond that, uh season four, I mean, this is an early hot take, but like uh, I think short of uh short of through the looking glass, I, I think that there is there is a strong argument to be made that season four is the best like season finale. you know what I mean? Yeah, like in terms oh, I, of like I as love, an event.
1: There's no place it's like crazy.
0: Home. You know, so much happens. There's like no breathing room at all. It's thing, 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 nonstop. Uh, island, exp- you know, we used to say in, in our living room, uh, when people would be like, what happened? What happened? I missed the first couple of minutes. We're like, island blew up. Yeah, uh, like we would just like say that as a joke, and then the season four finale, they, the island disappears. Yeah, they, they, We're they like, move the island, the island and then island and 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 <laughs> the, and the freighter blows up,
1: and like all, mm-hmm. the, all, we finally get like the the huge media res that is the flash forwards in season four as to how the oceanic yep. six comes together. We get that answered. I think it's a seminal benjamin linus episode in particular this is when benjamin linus like i think really makes makes a turn uh i mean it's tough especially compared to exodus which i i incredibly love as well but there's no place like home it's going to be such a it's such an incredible finale but also it takes up like a third of the season episode wise as well so even from like a whole spatial perspective it is a large large part of the season
0: we're going to at some point have to talk through whether we try to do that as one episode or uh, of the podcast where we split that up across a couple of weeks because like, I'm, I'm kind of inclined to think it should be the second because
1: yeah, it's another two. one where it's much like Exodus and you could argue if you count greatest hits as through the looking glass part one they did part one one entire episode and then they waited two weeks and then did parts two and three together as a two hour finale.
0: I know we set the standard uh, of doing uh, the three uh, parts of Ex- Exodus in a single podcast, but I don't know if I've got another five-hour <laughs> yeah, podcast in And the theme of this might... year,
1: maybe us being more forgiving of ourselves. Uh, yeah, maybe maybe so, we'll pad <laughs> out the weeks a little
0: yeah, bit more. We'll see. We'll, we'll, we'll see where that can, goes. Can I, can, again, can I also say that season, the Rattlesnake Season five, Mike, the island blows up again! Yeah,
1: exactly. <laughs> and now they're traveling through time. Like, this- <laughs> Here's what I will say about season three. You know, we're going to talk about this much more from a macro perspective in a little bit. But season three, when we're looking at like seasons four, five and six and how maybe some people felt like they got off the train there because they're like, wow, this series is getting just like way too out there and way too wacky. I think it comes from season three, which is by far, in my opinion, the riskiest season we have watched up to this point. There is so much deviation and we have had things from time to time, like we had maternity leave, for instance, we had the other 48 days where there were different ways of telling narratives But they have things like, okay, let's, you know, not only introduce an other, but like ingratiate herself into the main cast by the end. Uh, Let's make flash forwards happen. Let's bring in two new characters and then devote an entire episode to killing them. Let's have Desmond travel through time. Let's make Desmond psychic. Let's not only kill off a main character, but essentially dedicate an entire episode to him making the long march to his death. Like, there is so much unique storytelling that happens in season three that when you look at the the adamancy with which they go forward in the latter part of this series this really is the blueprint for that we're saeed we're laying out the blueprints right now for lost seasons four five and six and i think they were able to much like uh they did in the first seven episodes of the season build a runway for themselves that they're going to use to take off a plane for the latter half of the series
0: yeah so it's just a, a lot a lot happening in this this finale i think uh you're absolutely right in terms of like it sets the pace and there, there's other reasons why that's the case uh i think the writer's strike in season four uh and for those who, who don't remember there's the big writer's strike uh that happened in 2007 2007 2008 I believe yeah. is is when that went down, uh, and it uh, railroaded. Lost it railroaded so many shows, but Lost was gonna uh, season four of Lost was gonna be the first season where they did like uh, sixteen episodes or whatever it is because they've already made the agreement we're gonna end Lost with three more seasons. They're gonna be short uh, shorter episode orders, but they're all gonna run consecutively. And only one of the seasons of of Lost was able to like fully uh, live up to that original deal, and that's season five that has the exact episode order and it's uh, uninterrupted interrupted season four ends up being interrupted Mm -hmm. by the writer's strike the first seven maybe eight episodes i think eight episodes were written produced shot uh, I said shot, not shocked this time. Uh, but then the writer strike hit, and they couldn't write. They couldn't write anymore. You know, those guild rules. They weren't able to do it, and so finally that gets settled, and suddenly we're getting really close to the end of season four, and there's just a short amount of episodes that they, uh, uh, I think, like by like three or four mm-hmm. episodes, uh, they have they have fewer than they anticipated. So they just got to like heat it up. Yeah, they're like, all right, <laughs> oh, okay, we better, like, we better oh, cut to the chase shit. here. And, uh, just like they, they have to go hog wild. They have to go ham. And I think, uh, we have to go ham. Uh, and I think because of that, like the momentum of season four gets insane. Yeah. And so much stuff just by virtue of like where they laid out pieces and where they want to go for the rest of the show. They have to accelerate. They have to hit the gas. Uh, and season four just becomes like this breakneck pace in the, like it's kind of slow. Yeah. Uh, I think is my argument for the first like two thirds of the season. Yeah, I, I would- and I would the final argue, third of the season is, I
1: think ooh. the shape of things to come is really yes. the turning point because, yeah, the first two thirds is really to like really drawing out the mystery of who the Oceanic Six is. Right. Like each episode is really introducing a new member of it and really drawing out specifically the whole Jack versus Locke dynamic while also bringing in a bit of the freighters, which I'm very excited to talk about in a little bit. But honestly, I think the minute uh, Alex Rousseau ends up biting it. I think that is like almost the starting gun to the rush towards the end of season four, Uh, because then we get immediately into, you know, something nice back home cabin fever, which ends with we have to move the island. And then, as you mentioned, no, there's no place like home. which just they you do not get an ounce to, like, catch your breath because everyone is moving around. There are so many different moving pieces happening at the same time. that it is just an adrenaline rush for the last five episodes of the season.
0: Yeah, so things just feel really fast from this moment forward. Uh, even when it's slow, I think it's it's building towards something really, literally explosive in in some cases. So uh, really pumped about yeah. all can of I, it. I mean, I, it's I, can it's, can, it's, can, it's very exciting. Can
1: I also say that going back to the whole rattlesnake in the mailbox thing? Yes, it's an odd, deranged thing for Carlton Cuse to think, but I have never related to Carlton Cuse more because I'm definitely someone who has like they're not even shower thoughts; they're dry thoughts. Like whenever I'm just like around, I have random thoughts like. What if my butt fell off? You know, like what's the plan? What's the plan after that? How does that? What are the next? There steps? is no plan. There is the, you
0: lose your butt. It's going to be tough. So, like,
1: if I was writing a show and I had a big twist, like an unanticipated thing that would hamper our characters, I'd be like, yeah, and then their butt falls off, as sort of like parlance to to hint towards people what exactly is coming.
0: Yeah, uh, lost butt fell off here at the end of season three <laughs> yeah, exactly. for their sure. butt
1: fell off, and listen, they did not heed Samuel L. Jackson's words in Jurassic Park, and they
0: paid for it hold on to it uh let's get into some feedback as we are moving forward uh through through the looking glass uh specifically uh this is from stefan johnson stefan writes and says this episode spends almost the entire island plot telling us that the 815ers are trying to get home and yet when we find out at least two of them did we're still surprised uh like that really is pretty magical yeah uh that like the surprise of the episode is that like oh, they actually did the thing they set out to do. Well,
1: right, but let's let's compare this. And we talked about this a bit in the end of, really that ending stretch of season three as to like how huge Naomi's presence and that call specifically to Minkowski was. Like I cannot think of a more heart-soaring moment in loss that I've experienced for a while watching live up to that point as that because I mentioned rug pulls, We already had that once before with the raft, right? With the raft that ended up going up in flames as well. That I think at that point, a lot of Lost fans, and as Charlie sort of narrates in in his letter in our intro here, right? That a lot of us had given up hope that they ever would find rescue. That like, okay, they're dealing with stuff on the island. This is their home. And so I, I almost feel like it was sort of like low expectations at the time that helped supplant this reveal, Uh, of like, okay, you know, yes, they are get off the island, but clearly something must go wrong because it's going to be like Gilligan's Island. They're never going to leave. And no, it turns out that two, and actually a lot more than two, are going to make their way off of there. And so that's, you know, one of the many things that built up to just this fantastic surprise is that we have been led down this path before. It has been a dead end. This one does not have a dead end, but it is not so nice a path as we may think.
0: Andrew S. asked us, where does the reveal of this being a flashboard and that we have to go back of it all rate right in the list of the top lost reveals slash plot twists? Mike, it's gotta be number one. So
1: I gotta say it's either that or walkabout. Has to be yes. has to be that, right? And and it's so much more the macro versus the micro, right? Where lock that's really like it's really actually it's almost like again incomparable in that the, the walkabout one is so character-based and so small in terms of it just relates to one character, and yes it does inform his attitude to other people and the island as a whole, but it's such more focused on one person versus this one, which is much more macro, futzes with the storytelling, informs us a future for these characters. So from a scope perspective, I guess I have to squeeze out through the looking glass above walkabout, but I feel like much like I talked about with Exodus versus through the looking glass last time, they're almost accomplishing two different things.
0: Yeah. Uh, I think it's I think it's through the looking glass, but my answer does change depending on where I'm at, because um, I think the walkabout twist is is a series defining. one. Yes, um, it's so
1: important to the series,
0: you know, that like it sets a it sets an expectation. It sets a tempo. Uh, that Lost has to has to live up to moving forward and it, it kind of gives you both the sense of like this place is special these people are special uh, and so I think without it we don't really have this show. Um, the fact that uh, we have to go back has become just like this iconic rallying cry mm-hmm. in pop culture uh, the fact that it's three seasons deep, and they are able to wow us this way. I know Lindelof and Q's are very proud of that achievement. I do think it is—it's uh, an extraordinary feat, uh, and I think to to have it be at the very top uh, makes a lot of sense to me. But if it's not at the very top, it is bare minimum Mount Rushmore. Uh, yeah. You know, it's bare minimum. Well, I'm trying to think uh, like what the are the
1: what other two fill that out. Like is is, is locked lock, lock lock in being, the coffin, maybe, yeah, lock, or lock being man in black.
0: Yeah, I think that that's that that hits the list for me. I don't know. I'd be curious. This is something that we can continue talking yeah. through uh, in the in the next couple of weeks if people have their suggestions. Like, what are the Mount Rushmore of twists? Uh, Of lost twists Uh, that feels like its own podcast once we finish the episodic stuff Mm. Uh, but like I'd love to just like start chewing on that now would be
1: especially you know we still have three more and not to say that again we've spoken about two major twists that are that are going to be coming in the next three seasons but I would wonder are there any from the latter half of the series that would measure up you know like Maybe another one. Michael yeah, shoots I was, say, Anna Lucia. I was literally tip of my tongue. Yeah. Totally on the same yeah. page. I think the end of two for the road might be up there because that's something yeah. that we did not expect whatsoever.
0: Yeah, I think that that's on the list. Uh, I think that that definitely. Uh, that and you definitely know what? Actually, ranks... maybe
1: the fourth one is is we're going to have to take the boy.
0: Yeah, that's on there too. That's on there. That was. <laughs> very very messed up um not a twist uh again something that they were telling us the entire time it was gonna happen and yet we're still like heartbroken and surprised when it does is the death of Charlie Pace, we've got some feedback on Charlie's death. First of all, uh, another production note. This one coming from the Ben behind the curtain, who uh, points to a Cinema Blend article uh, in which Henry Ian Cusick was talking about uh, filming uh, this episode, in which he revealed that the the not Penny's boat scene. It was Dominic Monaghan's idea to put his hand up oh, to the glass uh, and for for Desmond to put his hand back up uh, up against Charlie. So uh, bravo to Dominic Monaghan who just commanded uh, that final, final appearance and of and the living Charlie Creating
1: the most infamous image of him, I think, in pop culture. Even out, yeah. even even just not even within loss, but like this is the role he is definitively most remembered for. I think, even though you and I have been talking about him plenty in the Lord of the Rings capacity over on Porsche yeah. Recaps Theater, like this is the image you think of when you think of Charlie Pace and Dominic Monaghan, and to have that come straight from you know the man himself is a really really cool detail
0: yeah 100 all right so some people who weighed in on charlie's death and and whether it was in vain whether it was a heroic act uh lots of different interpretations although most of them ultimately land on the side of of heroism this is from riley have a strong word and message for those that were on the other side don't say we (laughs) do not lump me into that i believe i was the one who quickly said No, don't leave! (laughs) Stay! Mike, what are you doing, you idiot? I I think Uh, that was a heroic act in my own way. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh, So Riley uh, did not F off. Riley uh, stuck around, and Riley wrote this. He says, on the debate about Charlie and if his death and sacrifice has importance, if what Desmond sees doesn't fully come true, I firmly come down on the side that it is important. I think without Charlie doing what he does, Aaron doesn't get off the island and Jack doesn't get off to eventually be inspired to come back, which ultimately does lead to Claire getting free. Charlie doing what he does does save Aaron and eventually saves mm, Claire. You could, you could you so can also
1: note, we're going to be talking about this in a couple of weeks, that Charlie visiting... Hurley, posthumously, in the beginning of the end, also informs that guy helping, you know, group everyone together to go back to the island as well.
0: To a certain extent, at the very least. I think Hurley is a pretty reluctant returnee. He really doesn't really <laughs> seem like he absolutely but wants but to go back. gets
1: into it, you know, he helps drive knocked out Saeed to David's place and throws uh, front he pockets. he doesn't really... Ha-
0: he doesn't have much of a choice. Uh, this is from uh, the great He writes in. Uh, it doesn't matter what we know or believe as the audience to be true about Claire and Aaron's rescue. It's about what Charlie believes in that moment. We can't back logic Charlie's death on information he doesn't have about how the rescue goes down in the future. Charlie chooses to die in the hatch for two reasons. One, in his mind, despite the radio communication with Penny, this still could have been what was needed to get people rescued. And two, he had to close the door so he could warn Desmond and Desmond could get this message back to the others. Not the others' others, uh, the 815 or others. No,
1: I mean, again, there will be be an other there. I mean, I, I definitely fall, I think, on the side of Fitzy of like, Yes, we could maybe blame him in hindsight, considering, I think, the the incorrectness of Desmond's, uh, you know, call about Claire and Aaron being on the helicopter back from greatest hits. But, you know, he had certain information in that moment. I I do. I don't know. I I feel like if he didn't close the door, I think he could very easily just tell Desmond, like, hey, not Penny's boat, go swim now. And then Desmond
0: will be able to make it out. I I don't know if Desmond is guaranteed to die if the door opens um down servo who has now reported that there are 171 dudes by the end of season three holy moly uh, so
1: that's probably about like th- a little bit like under three dudes per episode if, it's
0: a lot of dudes. It's three many, deep, many, many three dudes
1: DPs.
0: so many dudes uh down asks does killing off a huge fan favorite like charlie have any impact on television in general um do, is there a legacy to the death of charlie pace for you mike
1: i i don't think so i kind of i don't either i kind of wish there was but i think by far the bigger legacy takeaway from this episode was that we have to go back
0: twist in terms of storytelling i think it's not like this show invented the heartbreaking death exactly listen we we had the wire We've got the Wire. You've got uh, there's some very upsetting deaths in The Sopranos. Mm-hmm. Like there's uh, there's upsetting deaths all all over television. Uh, uh, ER, you know, like there's the uh, NYPD Blue. Like I think like the the killing off of a main character, a series regular, it's it's not new. It's it's a it's a hallmark of television. So I don't think that there's like a way in which Charlie's death changed the landscape of TV. Right. Um, I think it's within the legacy of Lost. It's critical. Um, In the landscape of television, I think it sits comfortably on the shelf of, like, uh, you know, if you're doing, like, your list of, like, the most heartbreaking deaths in television history, Charlie's is so heartbreaking and powerful that it it charts past Lost and makes it onto that list. And I
1: think maybe it has more of a literal impact on television in that now Dominic Monaghan's schedule is freed up so he can be on Flash Forward next year.
0: (laughs) Ay ay ay. Uh this is from Bob Hasty who doesn't have a problem with uh with with what Charlie did but does have a problem with another aspect of the Charlie death scene. Bob writes in as a faculty member of a major university school of music and as a Beach Boys fan. Okay. I I have struggled to overlook the melodic analysis of the Beach Boys' Good Vibrations, which was programmed by a musician at the Looking Glass. I believe most people, when they think of Good Vibrations, immediately conjure up the melody that goes with, I'm picking up Good Vibrations, Mm. she's giving me Mm. excitations. Mm. So it was a surprise at first to see that Charlie somehow arrived at the bridge of the song that goes, Gotta keep those oven good vibrations are happening with her i was able to re- i was able to reconcile this with the fact that bonnie gives him numbers that start 545 the only melody in the song that starts with one pitch goes down a step then back up the bridge is the is the is the rest so charlie being a good musician would recognize this and think about the bridge of the song so the main issue i have says bob is with the musician who programmed it most musicians would assign a 3 to the first note of the bridge since it's the third of the it since it's the third of the chord but the programmer started with a 5 Uh, Bob says, but in spite of this, I have to give the episode a perfect score due to my ability to invoke a suspension of disbelief over the writing of this clever part of the story. I just wish a musician had written this part of the script. I
1: mean, yeah, I mean, you can add that to the pile of, like, I wish an Australian had written the Claire episode. You know, I wish a Scotsman had written the Desmond episode uh, of, you know, maybe, maybe as great as the writers are, they only hold a certain worldview. God, I love digging into this bit of nerdery with the with the music theory. That is so fantastic. I love how, essentially, whoever this musician was programmed it using, like, the iTunes 30-second snatch of music. So not actually the the chorus or the melody and just a little section of the bridge. But, hell, good on Charlie for being a good enough musician to figure out, like, okay, 545, it must be referring specifically to the bridge of this one Beach Boys song that I know, like, the back of my hand.
0: Do we think that there uh, were ever plans that like some sort of time traveling Charlie was the was the programmer or that this was going to be Daniel Faraday so we, or something so we, we like we that? We talked
1: about that, I think, last week, right? That like th- I think in, in a sliding doors universe where Charlie does indeed swim out and we all shake our fists that like he's part of the crew that travels in season five. He ends up programming the looking glass. I guess, like, I don't know if Faraday, I'm trying to remember what Faraday was put in charge of back in the 70s. Maybe there's more of, like, a Rodzinski thing. Like, I don't think he was in charge of all hatches, but I'd like to imagine that because he was so part of the, the, the swan of it all that maybe he had some involvement in the looking glass, too.
0: Yeah, Faraday was back in Ann Arbor, right? Mm. Uh, so who knows what sort of chicanery he was up to in Michigan of the 70s uh That's a uh, a missing piece. Yeah,
1: <laughs> I, uh, we need, see. I think we need P- missing pieces too after season six, which fills in everything from four, five, and six.
0: Yeah, I think that the seventies missing pieces seems pretty. Yeah, fun. I, think that,
1: I think that's going to be one of our many, uh all, you know, in between watches podcasts of yeah, right, the right yeah. the lost seventies version.
0: What do you think we like take a year off between watches like the entirety of 2022 um, is just like shit posting down the I hatch. Mean, I
1: don't trust us to, to to go a full 52 weeks without lost. I would conservatively give us like maybe 3 months in which we can do that chicanery and then we're like okay let's get back to
0: lost though cuz we love lost so like I like so much. a year of shit posting sounds fun. I, I think I would uh... love it.
1: I don't trust <laughs> us enough to do it though. We're going to be like like we're going to be in the middle of being like uh okay you know who's the best meme lord on lost and we're like yeah, Josh you want you wanna just put on the pilot and just watch lost again. <laughs> <laughs> and then we're gonna do that.
0: We <laughs> shit posted until we're tired of it. Uh, all right, let's get into the into the coffin stuff. Um, Brendan Fitzpatrick says, "Do you recall in first viewing who the man in the box most likely was? Um, did you have a strong theory, Mike?"
1: So my theory—it's tough because you know there were definitely a few people I had in mind, and there there are two he's here. Right? There's the guy in the coffin. But there's also the infamous he who Kate is referring to as, you know, I have to go back. You know, he's you know, he'll be wondering where I am for the latter. I had it in my mind that it was Sawyer. Right. Because like there was despite the love triangle really being teased on the Jack Kate side of things. Like there was still like I said last time, season three was a very skate heavy season. I'd assume that Sawyer was the one waiting home for Kate. Uh, So looking at, you know, when Jack specifically said this man is neither friend nor foe. My first thought was it had to be Benjamin Linus. Uh, you know, despite the fact that he received the beatdown of a lifetime, he would survive his wounds, but would somehow end up escaping the island with Jack. You know, maybe this was going along with his grandiose plan that you sort of debased last time of like, you know, I'm going to beat him up. I'm going to call for rescue. And then like, I'm going to beat him up again and kill him when we get off the boat. And then he'll be, I'll be arrested for it. Maybe that is him sort of like succeeding on this plan. But at the moment, the only person who really grasped my mind as neither friend nor foe at the moment had to be Ben, but the thing about yeah. the flash forward, right, is that, like, any relationship could fall apart, that it could have been, like, hell, it could have been a Sawyer, it could have been a Desmond, I believe those were the other two people that were in the coffin they besides were, yeah, John they Locke, filmed so. that. Yeah, they
0: yeah yeah uh Ben Martel has has an excellent point. Uh, ben says I think the writers were providing an intentional misdirect that Ben was in the coffin. the line where Jack is asked friend or family and says neither seems to point to Ben within the context of the episode. Locke barely being in the episode helps you not realize that it's him. Mm. My take is that they already knew it was Locke, and they designed season three's finale to make you think it was I Ben. I love that take. I love that yeah, take. That's, I that's, love it.
1: That's such a great idea. Because, yeah, the again, the, one of the weirdest parts of this episode is that John Locke, a seminal character not only in Lost so far, but especially in the latter three seasons of Lost, is in two episodes, and or two scenes. And you you wonder why, but I think Ben brings up a great, like, fold within this Incredible maze that is through the looking glass. Of if they know that Locke is going to be in the coffin at the end of season four, let Ben be the red herring here. That let's let's really forget about Locke. That even when he has the standoff of him killing Naomi, we're more focused on the fact that the big bad who went down was Benjamin Linus. That when you see someone in a coffin, that Jack says is neither friend nor nor family. That's obviously Benjamin Linus, and so when we get this great misdirect that leads us into the season four finale, it's a, much like through the Looking Glass. One of the things where you're like, "Wow, that is surprising!" But why did I not think of this sooner? This makes so much sense considering where everything was yeah. going.
0: Yeah, for sure. And I think like the, like for me, it's like it wasn't even really a serious consideration because like they're not going to kill John Locke. Yeah, you like, know, they, like, like, that's John Locke. He
1: just survived being shot and left
0: for dead. And so when, when that is what they end up doing. Uh, it, like I, I was really floored by it. I was unprepared for it in every possible way. There's just no world in which I thought that it was going to be John Locke. Um, Down Cerevo with a, with a great question that I I feel like it has a pretty good answer. Uh, Down writes and John died alone. Who arranged the viewing for Locke, aka Jeremy Bentham, and for what purpose, Mike? That's got to be Benjamin Linus, right? either oh, um,
1: that or Abaddon, maybe because Abaddon was well, Abaddon the, was a pretty big part in helping.
0: Abaddon's dead. Abaddon's oh, right. dead Abaddon's by the dead. time. I that Locke is that. dead. So maybe maybe yeah. Ghost Abaddon.
1: Uh, no, I. yeah, Benjamin Linus. I think he... Because
0: he needs to assemble the people, right? Like, he knows that that's the way to get back. Yeah, he, I think he, to the point like, where... It's like a, I think, It's a lure. Uh, well,
1: I think what he does is he says, okay, I know a man named uh, Jeremy Hoffs And I know a guy named uh, Peter Drawler. You guys are going to make a funeral parlor right now so I can hold this viewing. And so I can also create a fun little anagram that will spell out exactly where we are right now in the timeline of things.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that that's right. He had, he had that, those back pocket people. No, I think it's bait. It's bait for 815. It's a, it's a means to, to potentially lure some people in, keep tabs on them, get them emotional, uh, whether for like, uh, them being like heartbroken, uh, like, like as is the case with Jack, which just like getting them fired back up for whatever reason. I think it makes a lot of sense why, why Ben would, uh, would, would wanna, uh, give lock this funeral maybe even like some small part of him being like it's the least i can do Yeah, I, I do um, but think i think the, that would be the tiniest of i pieces. wouldn't
1: be surprised if there was some sympathy of like well i killed the man myself i i should probably arrange his funeral
0: yeah at the very least i could get him flowers uh the great zach brooks asks us on your first watch who did you think was kate's he when she says he's waiting for me he'll be waiting for me he'll be looking for me um for me, certainly, it was Sawyer. Yeah, so
1: that's what, like I mentioned before, that's what I thought as well. I certainly did not think Aaron that he was of yeah. all the male characters. He was certainly at the bottom of my list.
0: Yeah. probably, probably uh, right
1: below Bernard.
0: Yeah, I don't think I don't think there was any world in which I thought that that was uh, anyone other than Sawyer. And so, as season four started bearing out that it was like pretty clear Sawyer did not leave. I was like, oh my god, and then Aaron gets dropped. Is like, oh shit. Yeah. Uh, well, especially so.
1: that final scene in Eggtown, right? When, like, yes. Kate, you know, uh, visits him after this scene, actually, that we just saw. Like, it's...
0: That's such a good like, test.
1: It's a. I mean, that's another... It's. A, I don't think it's on the Mount Rushmore, but it's definitely a big part up there.
0: Um, Some other stuff, again, from Zach Brooks. Zach writes in, Why does Danielle need to create such a giant explosion demonstration? Wouldn't you worry someone would see or hear you? Ta-
1: I think we talked about this in Greatest Hits, though. Like, I think at this point, Jack and maybe by proxy Rousseau, like, don't give an F. At a certain point, where mm. right? they're like, "I'm done hiding now. I'm I'm out in the open, and it's probably a good chance of like, yeah, if I set off an explosion, like they're coming for us anyway. What does it matter? You know, do they try to bump up the timetable even more that there's a big explosion? No. Uh, and if it stirs the monster, bring it on. Uh, yeah, I have other. I have so many problems to deal with. Throw a monster on top of that. I don't really care.
0: Yeah. Uh, from Matt. Uh, matt says what do you guys think of the pregnancy storyline overall capturing and monitoring possibly pregnant women is the main driving force for a lot of the others actions in season three it's the reason for the attack on the beach here then it's barely mentioned for the rest of the show i wonder if the writers had an ultimate plan for the pregnancy plot or if it was dropped when they were given an end date
1: well so it's a few things i think one is just the directions that they put the characters in like, Sun is going to leave the island and give birth off the island. So it's almost like, I don't think the pregnancy storyline has actually dropped, because that's a giant, if not one of the main reasons that Sun ends up leaving the island, right? They're like, Jack is yeah. insisted, she's pregnant, she has to leave the island here. Uh, so that's going to continue throughout season four. Otherwise, you know, any other pregnant characters was Claire, and she already gave birth. So I think it, it might just be coincidental in that. We did not have any other characters. You know, we're we're going to be short-triffed in introducing female characters moving forward. And so the fact that, you know, they're also not going to become pregnant means that we're not really dealing with the storyline, save, you know, Juliet allowing for Ethan's birth in season five.
0: Uh, speaking of this story, and we we spent a lot of time during our uh, Man Behind the Curtain podcast talking about Annie and different theories. Uh, Austin Smith in the Discord uh, had laid out a pretty good oh, I theory. I love this one. So we'll we'll just read it here. Um, Austin said, uh, uh, Annie is positioned as Ben's only friend at a pivotal time in his life in the flashback, so much so that he still keeps the wooden doll that she made for him so that they would never have to be apart. To me, there was always a romantic undertone to this promise of of constancy, even if it was never confirmed. But what happened to Annie? In a previous episode, we see Richard deride Ben as wasting the other's time on novelties like fertility problems. Sure, it's an interesting conundrum, but why does Ben care so much, especially if his people are so cavalier about it? It has to be intensely personal. My theory is this. Ben and Annie did forge a romantic relationship as they grew up, they got pregnant and as happens on the island she died this dark ending for Annie falling victim to the island's fertility problems works as the direct motivator for Ben's obsession and it further compounds the guilt related to his mother's death in childbirth and and his overzealous concern for Alex it's bleak but that's Ben.
1: I love this theory so much. Thank you, Austin. This was awesome. And congratulations for also like dethroning my dark theory of Ben killing Andy. Uh, cause this is, this is delicious. I love this in so many ways because it gives.
0: You're a sick man, Mike. I, I, Bloom. I really
1: am. Again, I'm, I think constantly about my butt falling off. That just says about my mental <laughs> proclivities. Because what I love particularly about this is like it maps so well onto Ben's. Alex relationship, right? because Ben can look at Alex and think of her as the daughter he almost had but didn't. And so yeah. that is a lot in there. I think that informs a lot of like the psychological controls that Benjamin Linus inflicts on Alex and also why as is pointed out by many of our listeners, why he was so fearful about Alex possibly getting pregnant is because he saw how the person closest to him on this island died. As a result of being pregnant, there's also the interesting thing where like he, you know, him, he almost like had a direct involvement in her death in that way, just like Roger Linus claims happened to her mother as well. So that almost digs Benjamin Linus deeper into that pit, quite literally of him, you know, calling himself an evil person, blaming himself for getting all this blood on his hands and then, you know, manifesting that own blood on his hands. It's it's a really fantastic idea that just charts so well on everything we know about Benjamin Linus to this point. I, I think it's a, a very well done theory.
0: Uh, the, here's one that I think you'll shoot down quickly. Is from the great Eric Divestein. Is Mikhail the evil version of No? Said? He's a big dumb he, idiot. He's resourceful, cunning, talented, versatile, superhuman, and often seemingly the only thoroughly competent one of his group. Eric, we watched the same yeah, show. I think we
1: include a big knot at the end of that.
0: <laughs> just at the end there, he's like, you've really biffed it pretty I hard. I would say maybe
1: Eric had just watched uh, catches <laughs> Enter 7-7, because I would say that applies entirely to Mikhail and Enter 7-7, all the way outside of that, I don't know, maybe those pylons really did, like, mess with his brain in some way, because he's not the best decision maker after that.
0: I, I still say, like, even go back and watch Enter 77, man, um, now that you've abandoned the Mikhail as <laughs> the smoke monster theory altogether, Mike, I, I do think, like, if you go back and you watch the Mikhail stuff, like, it's a very rewarding character if you just accept him as kind of, like, a, of a big, dumb, loyal yeah, idiot, it's like you know? Yeah, like a golden retriever. A big golden retriever. Uh, we asked last week, Mike, if uh, people could uh, tell us our uh, Down the Hatch's greatest hits. Or a couple weeks ago. Uh, and basically, everyone had the same answer. Snorri Johnson writes in, But far, the greatest hit for Down the Hatch in 2020 was the DJ Dom Exposed Party. Mm-hmm. The fact that it started as a, as a joke and involved into something so great, culminating in us actually finding out who DJ Dom is and then managing to contact him and get him on the podcast was a simpler time before the craziness of 2020 came into full effect and Snorri says always puts a smile on my face. I, I
1: forgot that that was in 2020 but I guess yeah since since DJ Don yeah. came about in that that mad rush that you and I did at the end of 2019 like that was a thing. I mean that's you know no matter what legacy we leave, Josh, when you and I end up leaving, you know, shaking this moral coil and leaving this plane. We will always have that. Though I demand that we uh, we mention the fervent erasure from the other co-hosts on this podcast about the number of people who said they loved Count Jacula as well as a Greatest Hit. <laughs> <laughs> Don't
0: yes, you mean Greatest there- Bit?! There was also there was also that, uh, and of course uh, we couldn't have done the the DJ Dom exposé party without Mark oh, Douglas, yeah. who just uh, Detective Douglas, unbelievable. Hula, I believe, b- happy belated birthday to Mark Douglas! I think it was this week. Or Amazing, last week. indeed, absolutely. Um, all right, let's get into some uh, some crazy data. Uh, we've got uh, Dad, uh, yeah, uh, Stefan Johnson. Undertook a mission. Stefan went down the hatch. Uh, and Stefan went and studied all of our MVP, LVP stuff and created some crazy effing charts that we will uh, we'll post on. How about we'll post them on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if you go and you check out at post show recaps, uh, we will post these charts on Twitter. There, of course, I'm sure Mike and I will retweet those as well at Round Howard at a Mike Bloom type, and we can provide these in the posher recaps, Patreon Discord, as looks, well. Looks like a subway uh, chart. It's real. It's very impressive. Uh, really impressive looking stuff uh, with a lot of different characters in the mix. Uh, there's five quick facts about the MVPs and LVPS through this point in the podcast, Mike um through three seasons you and i have given mvp and lvp points to exactly 67 different people slash inanimate oh, objects. we're so
1: close to that magic number
0: uh the top five absolute point getters as in both mvp and lv point LVP So basically, the most, total. most
1: mentioned in the sections
0: Yes, our lock at the top with 42. Oh, there we
1: go. We hit that magic number at least.
0: That's the only number. Uh Sawyer with 39, Jack with 35, Saeed with 31 and Kate with 29. Um but of our series regulars, Ben is getting the most absolute points per appearance. He's currently getting 0.9 points per appearance to Locke's 0.75. I guess,
1: you know, it really is, especially in Season 3, that Benjamin Linus was such a a big figurehead in it that, like, there weren't many episodes I could imagine where Benjamin Linus was in it that we did not give him a point one way or the other.
0: Yeah. Uh, Also, Stefan was able to uh, distill a few of the characters that you and I favor in the points uh, over the others. So for me, I've awarded 16 positive points to, to Kate, um mike you have given her negative oh, three. Oh
1: god a, this makes me look
0: terrible not necessarily it's a difference of 19 apparently i favor sawyer i've given sawyer plus eight total compared to your negative one uh as well as the smoke monster plus six to your See, zero that makes
1: sense because i do feel like you're someone who looks more like oh i appreciate what the smoke monster did here yes
0: that's not a surprise to me this is a surprise that you favor jack over me yeah. uh you've given him plus 10 points i've given him plus five yeah
1: so and what i will say is like i appreciate what stefan uh, did here i don't think it's entirely accurate because at least the way that i think you and i work on these sections is that i think at least what i do is i look at like who you cover and then i try to like cover who sp- you come with yeah I, I, and I try to cover the spread a bit right like i'm I'm usually not one to like pile points on two or three particular people i'm like okay if there are five people it's more fun to discuss like mvp points for five people than for two. i think
0: there's a human element that's missing in the number crunching yeah. uh because there there is often a, de- a degree of collaboration i think the vast uh,
1: majority of the time there will be only a couple of times like when i gave the stewards an mvp point where you will like vociferously disagree with it but the many 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 times that we have done this it's always usually like yeah i could see that yeah i agree with that
0: yeah, or or like uh I'll get to our our uh our document that we work from for the podcast before you do and I'll put people in for MVPs and LVPs and I think that like that will in- uh, incentivize you to like spread the wealth elsewhere. Exactly. Uh because like there's other characters in the episode who are worthy of it or vice versa. Like I'll see you in there and I'll I'll definitely operate that way sometimes. So, I don't think the stats while interesting are exactly yeah, reflective of our hate preferences. People, okay? I know. I know. Uh so especially I think you're triggered because apparently i'm significantly higher than you are on sun and gin i
1: think uh i've i've been significantly higher on sun and gin for like the past 13 years or so so i think it's it's fine that you sort of now are are making up for what i already knew but i apparently am am Uh, higher on the rousseau's than
0: you are that's fine uh i would like to congratulate dr juliet burke our season three MVP, Yay! 12 MVP points for Juliet Burke. She is the leader of the season three MVP board, followed by Hurley with 10, Sawyer with eight. Uh, and I don't have the exact stats in front of me from season two, uh, but Echo was our leader yeah. there. And except for like a, a quick race at the end, I think, uh, you know, he was really out in front for for a whole while. We, we thought early on that Juliet would probably be, our yeah, MVP I'm, I'm pretty of sure the we season. made that
1: exact declaration during this version of the season two podcast. So it was like, yeah, we really love Juliet. Not, I then, think she'll be the s- season three MVP.
0: Then certainly in the season three premiere podcast for sure. Yeah. So um
1: not not a surprise. I, I will say I'm a little surprised, happily surprised that Hurley was number two. I think I had just forgotten how much season three, especially in hindsight, really sets up like leader Hurley. And they really yeah. focus on that. And this is like an all time season for Hurley, definitely of the three so far. So I think maybe him being second place over like Saeed, who was our constant, really like number two in our season one, number one for a while. He falls to what I think like tie for number five in this season.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, this is interesting because uh, as far as uh, the LVP of the season, it's a it's a very easy Anthony mm-hmm. Cooper, but Pickett is close, negative uh, ten to negative nine. But as far as like the overalls, uh, great. Choice of fashion, by the way. Uh, Saeed is still our leader overall. Uh, twenty five points, but Hurley's coming close. I mean, Hurley's at twenty one. Should uh, should we make a bold claim? Do we think Hurley will pass
1: Saeed in season four?
0: Oh man, um, I'm just trying to think. Uh, I think Hurley is. <sighs> Saeed is not going to have a bad season. No, I, I, don't mean, think. I think we also he might get some. Be... And Saeed is going to be like, I mean, like. Saeed's gonna get a point from me for sure in the constant because he's super rider. Right, dive. and I think Saeed uh,
1: also might get some like Ethan Rom esque badass points for his assassin work as well.
0: He's he is instrumental in like getting the people who get off the island off the island. I feel like so. Uh, I don't think I I don't know that this is the season where it'll happen. Uh, I I expect season season six uh, for Yo, sure. But oh, I think by, by the, the end of this so. thing. I, th- I think by the end of this thing, Hurley will be at the top, but I but I don't know for sure. Yeah, I, I think uh, I it's, mean, it's my, hard. My, it's it's hard for me to my see. My bold
1: take when we get to season six by the end of this year, I think Said is getting lapped by several characters. By, by wow, season six. really? I don't know. I think like I think there's a there's a case that Jack might be able to pass Said at least. I think Sawyer could pass. The only people Jack that are
0: Saeed. that are current are currently even like arguably in range. So Saeed at the top, twenty five. Hurley with twenty one. Then it's Echo. Still is in the top three with sixteen. Uh, that'll change. Uh, Jack has fifteen. Kate has thirteen. Juliet has twelve. Jin has eleven. Son has ten. Um, so those are the people that are kind of in that mix there, and I think that those are probably the only people. Maybe Desmond could have some kind of meteoric rise because of the. Well, constant, I mean, and Sawyer's
1: or, season end of season four, season five stuff is pretty you know uh instrumental as well so i know he's at seven right now he's had a good season overall but like he might be very much on the rise as well the slope of desmond is beginning to pick up I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. Yeah. i st-
0: I still think it's gonna continue to be uh, a big race between saeed and hurley uh you know kate had her time yeah, i think that has has largely passed maybe jack could be in there but we'll see yeah. we'll see uh do you have a prediction of who is gonna be the season four Ooh, MVP?
1: This this is really interesting, right? Because this is gonna be one of the most oppositional seasons, that there are there are two clear sides. And so I do think the MVP points are going to bear out accordingly. I there might be a case that honestly, Josh a freighter might get the season four MVP points. Hmm. Like there who would it be? Maybe Faraday. Hmm.
0: Possible. I think I think, it's possible. I think like, if there's like who's who's the it person of season See that's four. really tough to say uh, just because
1: of the general weirdness of
0: season 4. Yes. Yeah. I I expect it's going to be like a a I I I think it's hard to call the shot and I think it's going to be competitive even more so than season 3 was. I think that there I can imagine uh Desmond, I can imagine yeah. Hurley, I can imagine Saeed I, I can imagine all being Juliette. in the conversation.
1: Juliet does the appendectomy, right? She's like a big part of getting people off the island as well. She has the whole thing with the orchid, so I think she can be an underrated one. Here's my hot take uh, I, think, I think Frank Lapidus is going to be a stealthy MVPer over the course of these next
0: three seasons. <laughs> he'll, be, he'll be a solid, he'll be like a, yeah, he'll, he'll, he'll be getting on base quite a yeah, bit. that's because uh, Frank
1: Lapidus, like, whenever <laughs> they use him, he is incredible and so i think we're yeah. definitely going to be throwing so many points jeff fahey's way when they decide to use them on the show yeah hey it's kaylee cuoco for priceline ready to go to your happy place for a happy price well why didn't you say so just download the priceline app right now and save up to 60 percent on hotels so whether it's cousin kevin's kazoo concert in kansas city go kevin or becky's bachelorette bash in bermuda you never have to miss a trip ever again so download the priceline app today your savings are waiting
0: To your happy place For a happy price Go to your happy price price Priceline It's
1: time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash Life's gotten mundane so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land You know what they say
0: All right, well, as we start to put a bow on Season 3, we still have the episode ratings to talk about, and I think to to mix them in with the greater episode ratings as well. I'm really excited about that. Um, Mike, you always love to divide a season into eras. Mm -hmm. Uh, uh, You've done this before with Season 1, with Season 2. What do you got for Season 3? All right,
1: so yeah, so I I took a look at Season 3, and again, as risky of a season there was, I tried to create... Admittedly, these are looser themes and eras than I think the previous two seasons. Like, season one was probably my easiest one because it did specifically feel like, and the, the whole onus behind doing this exercise of like, okay, there are separate sort of stages we're moving through. Not so much in season three, but I gave it a shot for the course of this podcast. So I'm going to read through them. Josh, feel free to, to agree or disagree. Hatchlings, feel free to agree or disagree as well. But I have five eras for Lost season three. First one, very, very simple. through 3.6, that's Tale of Two Cities versus I Do, the Hydra arc, right? This is when, even though not in Portland, spend some time on Hydra Island, this is like largely, okay, three characters in prison on Hydra Island, we're sort of experiencing life over there, getting to know the others. This is also like Mr. Echo's death, uh, Locke getting his groove back, Desmond getting his powers. I think that's a pretty succinct, you know, culminating in I Do really being the the mid-season finale, in a way, of Lost Season 3. Then not in Portland, through Trisha Tanaka's Dead, so that's episodes 7 through 10, I like to call New Beginnings. So essentially, it's characters sort of moving away from the Hydra arc and into different roles, right? We mentioned this before, Trisha Tanaka, huge episode for Hurley, as he is really coming about as, like, making his own luck, moving away from the numbers are cursed of it all, and also cementing himself as a leader. We have Desmond really starting to cement himself as like the weirdo of the cast and being able to travel through time. Not in Portland is able is letting us see Juliet in a brand new light. So I think this is a great transitional period that is allowing us to see characters not only in a brand new perspective, but in also having them sort of undergo their own next part of an arc away from where they were previously. Next one is Enter 7-7 through Exposé. So it's Episodes 11 through 14, which I like to call Uncovering the Others. So this really starts off with...
0: An Exposé on the exactly. Others. Exactly. So
1: this is really, you know, it starts with uh, Locke and Saeed and Kate, you know, making that that exodus, as it were, over to the barracks, stopping off at the Flame, where we find out more about the aforementioned Mikhail, and a bit about the Purge and the Dharma Initiative. And, you know, we, it also ends up with Exposé, where it, it. this is a little bit of a an odd one, but it couldn't really fit into anything, but I do feel like we are inc- uncovering their legacy in a way, and Nikki and Paula. We're finding out something about them, even though they are others, they are not the others. Uh, yeah. Then, episode 15 through 18, which is Left Behind through DOC, New Company, because this is when, you know, officially Ben and Locke and the whole group end up leaving, uh, you know, the barracks and Juliet is left behind, so this is Juliet joining a15 this is also the appearance of naomi as she becomes a big part of things as well and we've talked about this many times josh of course very fittingly the brig through through the looking glass i like to call the closing of the book i think in retrospect it really is its own section not only in terms of quality but like narratively what it's focused yeah. on it does feel very separate from even doc before it so i thought it was much like the first six episodes very easy to segment it out
0: yeah, uh, I think that that all makes a lot of sense for me. You know, the, the hot take that I came into this season with, right, was that this is secretly the best season of the mm-hmm. show. Um, I, I I don't stand by that, uh, having having gone through season three. I think I think season three for me is is uh, my personal favorite yeah, season. Yeah, well, I was going to uh, say that I
1: think that, you know, one of the lessons that I've really taken away from pop culture over the past several years, to your point, is that, like, there is a definitive difference between best and favorite. And sure. I think that... No matter where this season three versus season one debate was going to be, like season one was always going to be my favorite because of emotional attachments and like, you know, my experiences therein. And you would say the same thing about season three. So I think that like our subjectivity towards those seasons does not necessarily reflect upon the objectivity of it
0: and i think it's it's so rooted in a certain time and place exactly you know like it it was the end of an era for me as as a lost fan uh you know being with my friends and being with like my my lost family watching this um but i you know i say this this is my favorite show it's like it's picking you know you know who's your favorite kid Mm -hmm. like i season season one if if season three is my favorite season of tv uh then you know season one is like my second favorite season of tv just just don't let season one know that it's gonna really like put a complex in them you know, it's 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 arbitrary, but I, I only say it that way because I think like for me, what I've come to by the end of season three is is feeling uh, a little more sure about like how I feel about the seasons and like how I would uh like describe them. Like if you're doing eras in within a season, I think for me, like season one is objectively the best season Um, for for me. I think season two is kind of the wild card, mm-hmm. Uh, like highs, See, highs and like the lows and strange again, going back to the family analogy. A little bit. Um, season three is my favorite. Season four is a season I have a ton of respect Mm -hmm. for. That's like, this is like respect. Like, if you say this is your favorite season, respect. It's not mine, but I respect it. Season five is secretly my favorite season.
1: I was gonna say, I know that you have a big soft spot in your heart for season five.
0: So, so I, I like to describe season five as like, it's secretly my favorite season because it's like a little cheeky. Uh, but I think like season five, the time travel season, like what they do there is chef's kiss and I'm so pumped to get there. Um, and then season six is complicated.
1: <laughs> it's, you know, you it's know? something to talk about.
0: It's complicated. We will see if we can rehab it or not. We're in the year yeah. where this is going to happen. So, uh, really, really exciting stuff. As far as, uh, the, the episode rankings go though, um, Season three has an enormous showing in the top episodes so far. Yeah. So uh, you know the the top five, uh, the top six, really from season three uh, are all episodes that ranked higher than a four. Uh, that's in first place through the Looking Glass. Yeah, you know what I mean. So, on
1: season three, why don't we just go down the list? Uh, that might be easier because I think that I have I have some surprises when looking at how they are all laid out on the list
0: sure i'll go i'll go uh top to bottom so we we start with through the looking glass it's no surprise it's as close to a 4.2 as we are likely to get other than the constant um through the looking glass flashes before your eyes the man behind the curtain is three the brig is we should four. also mention that the
1: man behind the curtain uh it's 0.004 under flashes before your eyes incredibly close maybe the closest difference in ranking we've had so far between episodes
0: Greatest hits, number five, appropriate. Uh, the Man from Tallahassee, number six. The Cost of Living, number seven. Trisha Tanaka is Dead, number eight. A Tale of Two Cities, number nine. Not in Portland, number 10. Catch 22, number 11. Expose, number 12. Enter 7 7, number 13. DOC, 14. I Do, 15. One of Us, 16. Par Avion, 17. Every Man for Himself, 18. Left Behind, 19. The Glass Ballerina, 20. Further Instructions, 21. And then The Stink Bomb, Stranger in a Strange Land, number 22. So
1: I will say, looking at this, I think the biggest surprise to me is that Exposé wound up in the bottom half of our episodes for Season yeah. 3. I think if if you had told me before this, between A Tale of Two Cities and Exposé, which one's going to rank higher, and that in the top half of episodes, I would have said Exposé. I think Exposé is probably the more memorable episode for one way or another, and I think you know you and I have been both very high on it, but I would say I think A Tale of Two Cities was honestly the most surprising episode for me, and granted, it was the first one. I know I've said this many times, but I was surprised at how, even outside of like the whole downtown other scene, how it was just a really well done episode that also does a great job of setting up like the weird, disquieting nature of the others while also being a great conduit of how we see Jack in the finale versus how we see Jack in the premiere. And I enjoyed Exposé as well, but I'm, I'm just... I'm, I guess it maybe it speaks towards how it still is polarizing to this day, right? That it ended up falling in the bottom half yeah. of the episodes, despite probably being well known for one reason or another as, like, one of the more infamous Lost Season 3 episodes.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah, I I think that that makes sense to me, actually. I think when we're doing this as, like, a community ranking, I think that that's going to be the case, that there's going to be high variance on that. It's, you know, similar to Trisha Tanaka. I think there's some variance there. Uh, and these are both episodes that I would put very 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 in half but very very high i was gonna say my yeah, own i mean personal josh list. you
1: gave out 4.2s i believe if i'm counting right to 10 episodes in this yeah, season that not is, a surprise that is, i love yeah, the like, season that, that yeah. is almost half of the episodes i think i've given out five which is the same number i gave out to season one as well so yeah i mean the like if you if you need a sign that josh wiggler absolutely loves many of the episodes in lost season three look no further than that perfect scores from josh for half the season
0: I, I, I think that it. I'm trying to think of a season that will rival that. Will it be next season? Uh, the constant's going to get a four point two for I, sure. I, I, the shape of things to come is going to get a four point two, and the yeah. finale will get a four point two know that. for I think sure. It's
1: also tough in that like there's there's what twelve episodes if you count. There's no place like home as one episode. You can't give out all four point twos except for two episodes.
0: I think I've got three four point twos coming out coming out next season um and then i don't know for season five actually interesting i think that there there might not be a ton of season five 4.2s but the thing is that season five is just going to hit really high so it's going to be like it's going to be very consistently like on a certain high bar but not
1: really hit those peaks that a lot of these other episodes have
0: i think season five for me like the lowest i'm going to end up going is like a three and a half
1: okay interesting
0: i think We'll see. There's a couple that I'm thinking in my mind right now that, like, I could see them going as low as a three, but, like, uh, I don't think that anything will go lower than a three, and I I think it's likely that things will be at a three point five and higher. Know, maybe maybe
1: like uh, LaFleur might get like a four point two. Maybe I mean depending on how you feel, Jeremy Bentham might get a four point two. You know, getting to
0: no, not for me. Uh, but we'll 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 see. I think for me, the the incident, the finale yeah. is for sure uh, going to get a uh, a four point two. The variable will get a four point two. Um, but those might be the only two. I don't, I don't know. Uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to reexamining. Okay, and
1: then we, to, we will not talk about season six. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think Abaterno <laughs> and The End, I think are going to be the two episodes.
0: We'll see. We'll see. I mean, we've still got time before, before we get to all of that. Um, season one, best season of the show, and yet let's talk about the top 20 episodes of Lost according to the yeah, rankings, yeah. Mike. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven episodes from season one in that top 20. Uh, a bunch from season two, but they are now officially season two is with the exception of two for the road, completely locked
1: out. And, and I think the given what 10. we just mentioned with at least the constant, I think it's safe to say it will be flat out pushed out of the top 10 next season.
0: Season two will not be in the top 10 when this is all said and done. Let me give you that top 10. Uh, two for the road. The lone ranger from season two is, uh, is there at 10. Number nine, Deus ex machina from season one. Number eight, Greatest Hits. Number seven, The Brig. Number six, The Man Behind the Curtain. Number four, it's a tie, uh, is uh, Flashes Before Your Eyes with the pilot. Which is weird. It's almost like a,
1: I mean, Flashes Before Your Eyes is like a Desmond pilot, you know?
0: Yeah. Uh, And then the top three, Walkabout, Exodus, number one with a bullet through the looking glass. Uh, So we're looking at uh, a lot of season three representation in that yeah, time, it's, it's ten five, it's
1: five to four to one but let's go to the bottom ten episodes as well because i yes. think your point about how season three has high highs and low lows
0: also reflects yes. there too it bore it bore out uh because uh we're looking at fire plus water is still the biggest stinker of the show but barely barely
1: 0.006 between fire plus water and stranger in a strange land
0: those are the two at the, at the very bottom, uh, and then it's whatever the case may be. So that's which, a which, is, a, which is a full point up from Stranger in a Strange Land. Just about, yeah. So it's, uh, there is a, you know, a pretty clear tier of the, of the worst episodes of, of Lost. Um, the ones from season three that are close to the bottom. Left Behind, The Glass Ballerina, Further Instructions, Stranger in a Strange Land. That's 59, 60, 63, and 66, respectively. Mm.
1: So let's, we did this, we like to do this exercise as well when we go through the episodes, Josh. Looking back on season three, what's your favorite episode personally
0: oh, I know I you have to go I, between
1: your 10 episodes that you, you made your bed <sighs> wiggler
0: it, it, it's impossible I mean there there are so many that I think are just like perfect episodes of TV for me uh, you know Trisha Tanaka is just like maybe you know sometimes it's just like my favorite episode of, of TV mm. uh, I just love it so much um, I think the one that I'll, I'll always go to bat for, and it was a little harder to like muster up the energy to do it when we were doing the podcast was Catch 22. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think I was, I was lower energy on that one than I would have liked to have been to defend my 4.2 for Catch 22. Cause I love that episode. Um, expose for sure. I will always land on the side of history that says expose was delightful. Uh, but through the looking glass, like and that, that whole arc of, of the brig through, through the looking glass is just absolutely yeah, sublime and, and, and like and i'm, the I'm show still for it. Like,
1: it is definitively the best streak of episodes in lost history
0: it's just not close and and so like i i don't i don't know uh i don't know how to parse all of that out you know i can't i can't just give you an answer if you want to put a gun to my head and ask me to choose um i'm not gonna like i'm not gonna just like give you like the very easy through the looking glass because that's too easy mm. uh so I'll, I'll give you trisha yeah, I mean,
1: i'll go i'll take the easy answer through the looking glass i think for me it's either through the looking glass Flashes Before Your Eyes or The Brig, but I think The Brig and Flashes, we've sort of talked about how, like, there are imperfect parts of those episodes that I think very much get overweight by just, like, the incredible aspects that exist otherwise in it. Through the Looking Glass really does seem like a capital-P perfect episode of Lost, in my opinion. And yeah. that, like, save, save yeah. the scene with Naomi having to explain how the phone works, like, everything is so essential, everything is done so well just it, it is peak lost in so many ways so i think i'm gonna have to be the basic bitch and take that That's answer. i think yeah. like if you catch me on a different day i might say flashes before your eyes as well because i think it is just i'm so overwhelmingly happy at the choice of storytelling that they use for that which is even so different from loss at that point in time and i think it's just a very succinct very well done story that also creates i don't know if this is on mount rushmore but a very up there twist too, josh whether you're gonna die charlie
0: yeah. Uh, I mean, like, if you caught me a couple weeks ago, I would have said the brig is not just the best episode of season three, but the best episode ever yeah, of Lost Don't you at literally me.
1: said on the podcast.
0: <laughs> and, and, like, I, I, I still feel that take to a certain degree of, like, just even right now thinking back on the brig, like, what an unbelievable episode. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's incredibly, TV. it
1: might be the most satisfying
0: episode of Lost we've experienced. It's so today. satisfying. Yeah. Yeah. So this is why season three is my favorite, or one of the reasons. It's just there's, I, I think because it, it, even though it didn't know it at the time necessarily until maybe this final stretch, um, that this was like the end of an era, uh, that this is the end of like beach hijinks, like that stuff's done. Uh, you know, there's a little tiny bit of it scattered throughout, uh, season four, but for the most part, we're done with that. Like for the most part, like, we're in this really intense place with the show right now, and there's so there's so many questions, and um, you know, as as important as what is the island and who is Jacob in and who's going to be the leader, like it's the character based stuff. Like, how did they get off? Who gets who gets out of there? Who leaves? Who survives? Who doesn't? Um, you know, these are the questions that because of where we are in the show, they're being uh, you know they're being asked, and answers are demanded, uh, and so like there is an intensity and a seriousness to the place that we're going with the rest of the show that I think season three has this adventure quality that season one possesses but also sort of like um not a final adventure but a, like a final version of an adventure mm. like a final type of adventure um that like i often get very nostalgic for when i'm watching the show uh season 3 is often the place where like if i'm just starting at trisha tanaka i can snowball into a full watch mm. um so i i love this season it was a a tremendous pleasure getting to talk about it every single week yes. and uh among the reasons why and i've said this before it's similar to, to Sam and Frodo, right, Mike? That like, if I take one step further, I've officially gone as far as I, as I've ever gone, uh, with, uh, a lost rewatch project. You know, I've, I've, I've attempted this a couple of times and I've never gotten into season four. And that's, you know, uh, assuming we're still here. <laughs> 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 you know, yeah, not helping about
1: giving ourselves a two-week break to just like, <laughs> i know that's what i'm saying
0: <laughs> but you know i'm so happy uh it, make, it makes me really really happy that down the hatch has has uh found the audience oh that it's God, found that you and I, so. have found. I i will
1: actually say the story is that i uh, special shout out to, to jacob i believe his name is i was in a facebook group for another podcast the greatest generation of star trek podcast and i found a hatchling in there which is super incredible uh i never justin i apologize justin is is your name special shout out justin you made my day getting to to identify yourself as a hatchling because i think josh and i sometimes in doing all the work we do sort of like have our our head down for such a portion of time that lost is so much about a community in so many ways uh you know quite literally from a show perspective but also in the community that built it and the community that is still furiously and fervently talking about the show to this day. And it's hearing from from everyone about, you know, what they were experiencing at the time, their thoughts about the various characters, these ratings, as well, everyone's various opinions. I've loved reading each and every email that has come across or every message that has come across on the Discord. Josh and I would not be here without you guys. Plain and simple, we would not be here. You are the Roft that we are taking right now. You are the freighter, the Kahana, that will hopefully not explode in Season 4. And I count myself incredibly lucky every day that i get to remind myself of a why loss is one of my favorite shows b why josh regler is one of my favorite people to talk to and C why this is one of my favorite projects that i've ever done because it's such a deep meaningful project that i didn't even expect to be as deep and meaningful as i did initially approaching this and everything that we've gotten involved in this due to the community has been an absolute blessing and i am so excited we get to keep going with it because we have so much more great stuff coming josh
0: uh i'm really pumped to get into into season four i think we've we've got some time to kind of like formulate our thoughts on that i think like you know we we have to start like thinking about like all right we're getting into the end game for the Rousseau's, for michael yeah. like there's a few characters that we're gonna, well, gonna bring back and then lose it's like, like lose. epilogue
1: for michael right like a like a oh yeah he's gone but now he's going to to come back on that note though we're also going to introduce a good chunk of new characters and I am oh I'm so excited I'm so excited for the freighter shot it's crazy like, uh,
0: so you know we've, we've got we've got time we've got these two weeks of missing pieces I think like we can we can have more feedback that's just like generally about loss yeah. not specifically about the missing pieces I think like this will be like sort of like the tenor and the tone of the podcast for the next couple of weeks as we're starting to gear up for season four because I know I need to catch my breath I'm sure you all do too for all of the reasons uh, and I think like just like some comfort food lost shenanigans is exactly what the Dr. Shepard ordered.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And then and, and the good Dr. Shepard, not the one who's like housing pain pills and growing a big beard.
0: Yes. Yes, absolutely. All right. So get that feedback in for us. Uh, you can send that in down the hatch at postshowrecaps.com. There are 13 missing pieces. We are going to talk about the first seven mm-hmm. is the plan. Yeah, I, be- I believe so. Uh, which I
1: believe it should take us what? It's through... It's from the because I believe they were they're not they were produced in a different order than they ended up being released. But we are going from the watch through Arst and Crafts is I believe the first. Yes,
0: seven. yes. These are these are the ones that we're going to watch. It's the it's the watch. It's the adventures of Hurley and Frogert, King of, King the, of castle, the Castle, The Deal, Operation Sleeper, Room Twenty Three and Arston crafts. So Those are the episodes that we are going to be yeah, So we're
1: dipping into a lot of stuff. I mean, we're going to open on a flashback even prior to the island stuff. I think it starts off with a Jack and Christian Shepherd scene. We're going to get some miscellaneous gawker stuff with froger Uh we're going to finally get, you know, uh Juliet uh Juliet talking with Michael. Actually a lot of Juliet in these opening seven because this is when Juliet visits with Michael when he's captured by the others and also Juliet talking to Jack about confessing that she was a mole. Uh, we get some talk about Walt in room 23, and it ends with some good old-fashioned arse stuff, who, you know, despite Daniel Roebuck uh, no longer really being part of the show in a major capacity, he gets to make little explosions from time to time. So This should be fun, and
0: I think... <laughs> good choice of words. I'll make
1: the hard and fast promise now. I think we're going to talk about lots of Domus* next
0: week i'll I'll do
1: some research into that but again
0: that's all you dude you're gonna have to fill me in (laughs) but again
1: if there is any other loss based stuff you want us to talk about throw it into the feedback and make sure you throw it in pretty early as well because we we tend to plan out the skeleton of of where these podcasts go and i think we want to be able to you know do some research proper about some of these lost materials if if you want to serve them up on the docket for us
0: all right so down the hatch at postshowrecaps.com. you can tweet at us as well at a Mike Bloom type, at round Howard. You can talk to us in the Discord if you are a member of the Post Show Recaps Patreon at the Discord level. Take a look. Take a gander. Patreon.com slash Post Show Recaps. No need to rehash what we've got no, going on right now. No, set that up right at the top, but I can just say it is a lot once more it's a lot i think no matter
1: what your pop culture taste may be i think it's safe to say we've got a little bit of everything when it comes to poster caps and if you don't come into our discord because there's an entire like channels of movies tv sports what have you where we are just talking about we got a book club you know, we're just talking about general things so if, if um, yeah. honestly this is the place where like pop culture nerds come to graze i think is the poster recaps discord so come join your people if, if you have the means to do so
0: It's very, very fun. Every channel is a snack channel. So sign up if you have not done so already. It's a really great time. We'll be back next week with part one of our Missing Pieces coverage. Until then, everybody, take care. Bye-bye.